All right, all right. It is time to kick off what might be the penultimate week in IndyCar listener Q&A show for 2023, y'all. I am Marshall Pruitt. This is our little Marshall Pruitt podcast. It is 529 p.m. here in Northern California. The sun is 90-something percent gone, almost completely gone. Have our boy Rocky sleeping beneath the desk here. Rosie was in here a little while ago, but she has moved on. Uh, my wife, the amazing Chevrolet Pruitt, uh, is getting some well-deserved rest. And so it's just you and me. And okay. It's now five 30. Uh, is that quitting time? I don't know. Uh, technically I'm supposed to be dialing things back a bit this week and next week for sure. Hasn't fully happened yet, but I'm in a good place. I'm in a happy, happy place where even though I've worked pretty much all day, Monday and today in and among appointments we have had, um, yeah, my brain at least has kicked into not quite neutral, but not flat out in sixth gear like it normally is. So I have yet to have lunch, so I think it's going to be a dinner, uh, and I am most certainly on an empty stomach, but I did find and put in the fridge the beer that I was thinking and hoping I was going to have last week, that being, I think, my final Dragon's Milk Reserve. So I have a bottle opener. Oh, yes. Oh, that is mighty fine. 11% ABV. So a little uh, timestamp here. Uh, like what? Two-ish minutes into the show. If I'm slurring by the end, you know that, yeah, I'm, I'm weak and can only handle a single beer. Uh, but again, I think the last thing I had to eat was like, 8 a.m. So anyways, that's my preemptive excuse. A couple of quick things before we get rolling with your questiones. Uh, had a couple of interesting interactions in the last day or two that have helped me map out the rest of the year. Trying to not work any more than I need to between now and once we get into the early stages of 2024. I reached out to our friends at the two remaining IndyCar teams with drivers to possibly announce, hopefully announce. Start with our team at Dale Coin Racing with two drivers to announce for next year. And spoke with Dale, I don't know, a month ago, three weeks ago, whatever it is. It's been a little bit of a blur. Of the various things we spoke about, one of them was, hey, uh, feels like you're close to at least one driver, maybe two being signed. Do you think you're going to get those done before the new year? Because if so, we could be in this pretty amazing and rare, truly rare territory where the entire full season driver lineup would be locked down before the new year. And Dale was confident that that would happen said he did expect to have both drivers announced prior to Christmas slash the holidays and whatever else it is that you might celebrate around this time of year reached out to the team's ACE PR rep. She being Karina Redmond, one of the most glorious products of Canada and said, Hey, Karina, uh, just checking in. Should I continue to keep my eye out on inbox for the email or texts or the social medias for driver announcements for both of your hot rods one of your hot rods who knows she checked and came back and said all clear stand down no work to do there in 2023 so no dale coin racing driver announcements expected by the team and by the person who would write those releases. So awesome. Thank you, Karina. Thank you, Dale. So cool. Don't have to do that. And had heard there could be a AJ Foyt racing driver announcement this week. Wednesday is what I'd heard. Got a little bit of back and forth going on there. 
knowing that last week they announced and confirmed now former Dale Coin Racing driver, Stingray Rob, was a driver of the new number 41. It's actually not a new number to them, but they changed the number that they had with that entry last season. It was number 55. It'll now be the number 41, but they done signed Stingray, and so one of their two seats filled wasn't sure if and when we would hear about the second and then caught wind that it might be this week and exchanged with the team there and was told no announcements this week it's a possibility but now definitely not this week so of the three full season seats left open two will not be announced for sure at coin before the end of the year and it's possible we could with the other Foyt entry next week, final week of the year. So a little bit of a a fun update there. So I know for sure with Christmas being next Monday, uh, I feel good in saying won't have any driver announcements to write until at least Tuesday morning. But yeah, if anybody announces that Tuesday morning, they're crazy. But anyways, um, got a question about the Foyt team uh in, in what y'all have submitted so i'll hold off and diving into that here last thing or two to mention had a flurry of packages delivered today one of them was a little bit fun uh won't mention who it is but just say a really dear friend at indycar uh an amazing amazing person there uh sent <laughs> sent a holiday card and uh, in honor of last year for those of you who know the little joke of me getting yelled at and kind of spit upon and whatever from an enraged roger penske on my birthday in 2022 at daytona mentioning to a friend at indycar that uh you know boy what an amazing gift that's when you can't buy unlike a pair of socks they as a joke sent me some IndyCar branded socks uh, a day or two later as again, bit of an inside joke. Um, I still have them recently found them. Uh, I got three new pairs of IndyCar socks today. (laughs) And whereas last year's were just kind of generically themed with the IndyCar logo, these are holiday Christmas themed and they are freaking awesome. I was crying laughing. So, yeah, uh, I'll tell you this. The folks at IndyCar who run, truly run the series in terms of the operations side, putting the product on track, making all of that happening, the producers of the racing itself, um, I love those folks. I genuinely love those folks. So, uh, yeah, just hilarious. All right. Uh, I don't know, probably have some other stuff going on that I've forgotten about, but that's all that comes to mind for now. So let's say a big thank you as always to our really, really dear friend, Jerry Siddeth, who takes time more than an hour each week to gather all of y'all's questions, pick the ones that he thinks not only fits the weekly topics the best, but then places them in order and tries to come up with enough to fill about an hour's worth of show sometimes a little more, sometimes a little less. All right. It's never less, but, uh, big thanks to Jerry. Seriously. You have been just, uh, such a gift and, uh, the, the kind predecessors, uh, who had the baton before you and Jim Kaiser and Tim Falkowitz, but thank you so much, Jerry, seriously. And if y'all like the show, thank Jerry as well. Uh, Jerry Siddeth is just a really kind, kind and giving person. Let's also say a big thank you to Cooper Tires, our original true get behind the show after it got rolling and and make it go partner, our very first, still with us and will be with us for a really long time. That is torontomotorsports.com. Pay them a visit if you are a fan of motor racing memorabilia, all the latest t-shirts, models, hats, stickers, books, you name it, torontomotorsports.com going to circle back to cooper tires again here for those who follow the american junior open wheel racing scene 
you will know that Cooper has been just the lifeblood of that for more than a decade. And so, so thankful to them for all they have done for all the champions, all the teams, all the advancement money they have put into the series, just everything to help Anderson promotions. Dan Anderson, his daughter, Michelle Kish, who run those first three tiers of the junior American open wheel ladder. And prior to 2023, I believe it was Indy lights as well. So huge. Thank you to Cooper tires. Knowing that they have officially bowed out. We have the USF championships, uh, moving on to a new tire partner. We have the Indy NXT series at as, as it is known today. I'm already slurring my words and I've already only taken one sip of beer. What is going on? Uh, is moving on to a different tire partner, but just a, a huge kind of raising of my bottle here to Cooper tires. They've seriously been a massive part of what we do and bid huge champions for y'all for all the young drivers who've come up and are current continuing to move up. So yeah, we're, uh, we're getting close to, uh, the end of this journey here, at least on the podcast. So just want to take a moment to, you know, truly express how important they've been and how just really dang cool they have, have been for us. Uh, discount tire as well came in this season as part of the overarching Cooper tires love. So big thank you to them as well. And thank you for joining us this season. And then to close friends that have been with us for a long time and continuing with us, that being the justice brothers makers of amazing automotive chemicals and lubricants. I do to late to Lake. I'm not drunk. What is wrong? Maybe my brain's just like, I want to be, so I'm going to start jacking up your mouth just to get you to drink more beer. I think that's what it is. Is my brain conspiring against me? Is it possible to like pre-slur your words? My, my noggin is saying, dude, shut up and get after the beer. So, okay, I will. Um, Justice Brothers love telling y'all that they've been a part of my life my family's life since the 1970s, they were the primary provider of those automotive chemicals and lubricants at my father's shop in Burlingame, California, Pruitt's Old English Garage, his first shop, and bought them, loved them, made use of them nonstop, and that continued when he sold that to his chief mechanic, Bob Lugliani, and uh, took a little bit of time off, but then came back and started another shop, Park Road Sob Service in Burlingame, California. And it was the same old story with the Justice Brothers being just the everything that we used, the things that I used while learning to be a young mechanic. Like, so just like, really, we're getting into some heartwarming stuff, at least for me, knowing that this company and the Justice family, that is a real name. It's pretty amazing, right? Uh, the Justice family uh, continuing with the Pruitts here, uh, in this new venture. So massive thank you to them and to y'all for making all of them feel so loved and rewarded by being a part of our universe. So with all that said, we're going to do a little pew, 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 stupid music, uh, attempt by my face. Uh, but we're going to roll in with a little bit of a music bed here and get into those questions assembled by our guy, Mr. Suddeth. And where do we start? Where do we go? We're going to kick things off with possibly the most important question I have seen come through the podcast this year. It belongs to Cord Johnson, and these are the words. Uh, buckle in. Is a hot dog a sandwich? That's all I have. Merry Christmas, MP. Well, <laughs> Corey, Merry Christmas to you. Jerry, of course, I'm glad you put this at the front of the show because I don't know if y'all thought we were going to talk about Honda or spec engines or uh, Benjamin Peterson marking his territory. Nope. Is a hot dog a sandwich? I feel like I might have answered this before. It might have been last year's kind of pre-Christmas show, but uh, very quick answer, very simple answer. No, it's not a sandwich because no one's ever said, hey, what do you want for lunch? I want sandwiches. Cool. Want a hot dog? Those things have never been said in combination, one following the other, one preceding the other. Uh, yeah, it might involve meat, might involve bread. No one ever in the history of Earth has said, 
I'm in the mood for a sandwich. Me too. Let's go get hot dogs. So there you go. Uh, Jameen Tuttle. Jameen, you say, I really enjoyed Paul Fanner's article about the recent turmoil in IndyCar. For those of you who might not have read it, Paul Fanner, owner of my primary client, that being Racer Magazine and Media, racer.com and all of that goodness, penned a opinion piece that went up Monday morning, more or less saying, hey, the time's here for IndyCar and its newish owner, Roger Penske, to decide what it wants to be. Not some magical, mystical time down the path in the future, maybe who knows when, but you guys got to come up with something because you really don't know where you're going and it's starting to have negative effects. Paraphrasing. But a lot of optimism uh, in what Paul wrote because he's a lifelong lover of IndyCar, um, as am I. So a little bit of background there. Uh, Jimmy goes on to say, he seems optimistic about Roger Penske paying attention and listening. Do you share that optimism? Um, why don't we start there? Uh, I want to. I'd be lying if I said I had faith that Roger Penske would be the real agent of change and action-oriented person within the, the greater Penske Entertainment Group. Uh, thinking of like, hey, here's some ideas and we're going to go take the series in this direction and we're going to represent this thing and we're going to do new stuff, new here, new there, and we're really going to, right? Innovation in terms of running a sporting series, it's not something I've seen that really falls into his wheelhouse. Where I have great hope, is with a different Penske, that being Greg Penske, who being been kind of developing, uh, being readied at whatever point in time here in the future to keep using the baton here, take the baton from his father and lead IndyCar from the very top. There are others who've been with Roger for a long time, senior most advisors, you know, right-hand, left-hand people, centrally involved in Penske Entertainment. I don't think they're going away, etc. But Greg is the one who I look at and say, I think you get it. We don't have answers on what IndyCar needs to be in order to be bigger and more successful than what it is now. Not by the standards we would use when we look at other series that are undergoing pretty big revolutions and popularity and growth and all that kind of stuff. IndyCar has been the, we're going to keep doing the same thing. We're going to gain a couple inches of ground per year. Others seem to be gaining yards, if not a lot of yards, but Hey, we're just, we're the safest financial investment ever, right? We're, <laughs> there seems like barely any real substantial financial gains from year to year, but we're just going to keep banking on that and be okay with those really small annual gains. That's where IndyCar is. It's where it's been. Um, we just want it to be more. So I don't know if Roger is the person to take us there. All I hear is anybody who thinks that the way things are right now aren't perfect is wrong a heretic needs to be shut down shouted down incoming calls hammered up you're getting hammered for your anti-establishment thoughts and so on it's been that way for a while but it's only ramped up um but yeah uh we have optimism because we have to have optimism because we love this thing we're not saying it's failing we're not saying it's totally broken and fallen apart and boy, things don't change today. It's gone in a year. Nobody's saying that, but there's some pretty big warning signs that some form of change needs to happen to put it in a healthier place. A couple of years from now, Honda's very direct, very intentional words, the wake up call that that is the reality how much the owners of IndyCar want to accept that and acknowledge that. I can't speak to that. Um, but yeah, 
we love this series. Therefore, we hold optimism that those who control the ability to change it and improve it see similar things and agree. I just don't know if that's more in the domain of what we're hoping that Roger's son would be the person to do that. Go on to say uh, on that topic of whether I share the optimism, you say then is there, this is when we plan out our racing travels for the year and the recent news items have tempered our enthusiasm a bit. We'll still do shows at IMS IRP and hopefully gateway, but Roger Penske and company have to remove their heads from the sand. That's the discussion. That's the topic here for the next weeks, months. We'll have to see. I don't know if and when IndyCar and Honda and Chevrolet plan on getting together and having group discussions. We know for sure Honda has said, without change, we're gone. Without finding a third manufacturer in the absence of change, without finding a third manufacturer to then massively reduce our annual expenditures, we're gone. This is about cost and value. If you can bring the costs down by getting a third manufacturer, turn this from roughly a 50-50 engine supply split in the costs for taking care of a lot of cars to, hey, we now only have to take care of roughly a third of the series. That would put Honda into a super happy place since I don't expect a third manufacturer to be landed anytime soon. Penske Entertainment slash IndyCar CEO Mark Miles told me on the record in a story that's been published. Doesn't think that would happen until the hybrid formula gets up and running. We know that's middle-ish of 2024. So you're not going to have a huge sample size in 24 to get a manufacturer to say, hey, we're going to be there quickly. Even if they did, it would take a while. None of them would be ready for 2025. Might be 26. Who knows if that were to happen. But So this is the trigger point to me, and close off on this. Keep going. Get those tickets support IndyCar, this is the relative you care about who makes as many frustrating decisions or non-decisions as good ones. They're going through a dispiriting patch. This is when they need you more than ever. Be there as much as you can in the hope that things get better. But as we look to the future, yes, indeed. IndyCar is at a really important point in its decision-making timeline. So with everything I just mentioned about Mark Miles, and I've had conversations with others who would know even better than Mark about whether and when new manufacturers might come in, none of them think we're going to see a new manufacturer anytime soon. If that's not the thing that happens, which sounds very remote, that then pushes us towards one solution in order to keep Honda. Is IndyCar willing to do that? Make, substantial changes to bring costs down to bring honda back into a place of happiness and since it the person who owns indycar has a long and very vested interest in engine company that provides chevrolet's motors for the series you can be assured nothing would be decided upon by indycar that did not also match and meet Chevrolet's expectations. It's not a one-sided thing, nor should it. 
even if Penske had no involvement with Ilmore slash Chevy, you would still expect discussions to take place with the other manufacturer to say, hey, we probably, well, again, we assume they want to have both manufacturers stay in the series. And if we go forward with that, we then have to assume they wouldn't want to do anything to appease one that would lead the other to say, I'm out. So this is not an easy one, y'all, because what Honda might see is the way to bring costs down. Chevrolet might totally disagree. What Chevrolet might say, you know what? I don't want to do the thing or things Honda's saying should be done. We would, though, be willing to do these other things. And what if Honda says, great, we don't like those things. I mean, this is this is a potential minefield. So tend to open the show with a bigger topic. Uh, we did that. We know that a hot dog is not a sandwich. Uh, and then we got this little kind of minor thing of like IndyCar's future and manufacturers and stuff. Uh, we're going to keep rolling here with uh, some related questions. My brain hasn't tricked me into slurring my words yet, but I should probably keep it in a happy place. Bye. Oh, yes. Dragon's Milk Reserve is really good, y'all. Jeff Hildebrand, you say blessings to you and your bride this holiday season. Well, thank you. Uh, you know, that's really sweet of you. Um, I love y'all. Love what I do get to make a living doing the thing that's been my passion since I was a child. And then, uh, 21 years ago, I met a woman, uh, whose name was Chabrell and I love me some motor racing, but if she said, you know what, Pruitt, we need to go move to Alaska and live a very solitary life and, uh, no internet, no cell phones, just us. And I don't know, living off the land. Isn't there a TV show about that? I think so. She watches that. That's why it's coming to mind. She might suggest it. Um, it'd take a while to adjust, but I'd do it. Cause look, y'all I've had 36, I think 37 years working in motor racing. Love it. Achieved seemingly everything I've ever wanted. I am as fulfilled as I want. Uh, I have reached a really cool and amazing place in my career in terms of clientele and, uh, stature or whatever. That's not meant to be a fat joke. I'm kind of wide. Um, but if I had to leave that all behind to just go be with her, I would it tells you like, wow, the power of love, like for real, holy cow. Uh, she rocks my world y'all. So thanks for the little, uh, little shout out to my bride jeff says uh quoting paul fanner again the indy 500 in the car series has been my north star since i was nine years old the sport captured my attention and made me care like nothing else has or ever will jeff says agreed for me it was 1982 you do piggyback perfectly off of jameen's item here you said we are in a critical moment of our sport our being all caps. See, I fear in 10 years, the series and the 500 will look vastly different uh, than it is or has been. What are your thoughts? Wow. Yeah. Hey, we're just going to be a 14 hour podcast. Y'all uh, I'll try and keep this pretty short. Agree. I would hope the series would look vastly different in 10 years time, but <laughs> sorry obvious joke alert we'll probably still be using the large dw12 and 2.2 liter twin turbo v6 engines and who knows um kidding there's no way we can although in the back of my head i'm like there is actually like there's some odds somewhere an odds maker would take my money on that bet uh, and i'm not convinced i would win i think we're gonna be okay but coming back to your point and Jameen's, hey, we're, we're at a time where the things the IndyCar series owners, the super executive level, that being everyone basically above Mark Miles, um, 
the things they choose to do or not to do right around the next months to the next season, next year, it is critical in how this question will be answered. Do I think IndyCar will still be around? I do. It's been around for a hundred and a lot of years. 112, is it? It's been through tons. It has been through far worse than this. It has survived world wars. It has survived great recessions, depressions. <sighs> feels like it's been around long enough to have survived the Civil War, but uh, it did have its own called the Split. It's been through a heck of a bunch. And the things we're talking about, the things that are worrying us, things that are the central point of a lot of passionate, if not heated, debates, they're all about what that future looks like. To me, not so much will it still be here. So will we have multiple manufacturers in 10 years' time? That gets answered on how IndyCar decides to go forward. Does it appease? Does it not appease? All that stuff I just mentioned. Does it make some substantial changes that would bring more manufacturers into the series? There are a couple reasons why those who haven't been in the series for a long time, like Chevy and like Honda, there's a reason why those new prospects or even returning prospects have said no could be the high costs could be the fact that getting into things that Chevy and Honda have tons of experience in, right? There's a window where doing the new motors, the 2.4 liters that were supposed to appear this past season. Uh, there was some interest there. Number manufacturers took meetings, expressed interest, was an opportunity to, to start anew instead of joining in with a formula that Chevy and Honda have a decade plus of experience in. I would say that's a significant detractor right now. If a manufacturer wanted to jump in, well, all we know is we're going to have this 2.2 liter for years to come. Don't know how many, but boy, it sure would be hard to come up with anything that matches where these two masterful manufacturers are at uh, with these ones that are so highly developed uh, is joining a series that's going hybrid in 2023 uh, now 2024 now halfway through 2024 is that like the big high-tech modern tech move i think that might also be a little bit of a limiting factor of interest right know that F1 went hybrid 2014, I think 20 or 2009-ish, 2008, 2009 is when it was first an option to be used. But, you know, F1 hybrid for a decade, basically. Uh, IMSA went hybrid in 2023 to great success. Just saying, again, not trying to pick on the series. I'm just trying to look at the, the real answers here we need to, to think about. Hey, we going to join in? Okay, what's the point of attraction? Okay, if you're hybrid, that that's good. That ticks some boxes of relevance. Although, again, not exactly at the cutting edge and forefront of that movement, but okay. What does it cost? Well, that's a giant number. And that giant number does not come with insane TV ratings or audience sizes outside of like two or three events per year of the 17. Okay, these are the things that folks in boardrooms go, "Eh, okay, we love the series, but we got to find the justification to spend a whole wad of money to be there. So if you're struggling to get folks over that hurdle, would say the one very significant thing IndyCar could think about, which also happens to be Honda's, main thing they're suggesting as a change is to bring the the barrier of entry way the heck down financially to then hopefully get more manufacturers to come in so that's where i don't have an answer for what indycar and the indy 500 is going to look like in 10 years jeff because 
there's some really big decisions the series has to make. If there's a change to the formula where, again, I don't know if it's a production-based formula or who knows what, or just a spec formula or a mostly spec formula where very limited areas of development on the engine are allowed, things that fall along the lines of bringing what it takes a manufacturer financially to participate to a super happy place seems to me like kind of sort of job one and there's a question here a little bit down the road that is attached to this theme i'll save this part of the answer for that question but it'll be here because there are too many folks who are massively invested in it namely the team owners who want to be here and are the ones who've kept it alive and afloat through all manner of great ideas and terrible ideas for almost as long as I've been involved in junior open wheel racing and the top level uh, of IndyCar. So I think of the Michael Andretti's, the Chip Ganassi's, the Ed Carpenter's, the Michael Shanks and Jim Myers and Ricardo Hunkos's, Dale Coins and run down all the team owners. They love IndyCar. They want to be here. They are not looking to leave. They would love it to cost less. They would love it to be worth more so they could say, hey, sponsors, B2B folks, whatever, who are contributing things that fill our bank accounts, look at the really high high proof of tv ratings and attendance that says gosh we have to spend not just with you but more with you because we want to market in front of this demonstrably bigger audience these decisions coming up here short term jeff uh they're going to tell us what the future indy 500 and indycar series looks like but uh I don't foresee any of those who are here in any way trying to leave. We'll just add, though, that since we have a number of team owners, if not the majority, I think Shank and Hunkos might be among in the minority, but most are 55, 60, 65, 70, 75, 80, Add 10 years, sadly, some of those folks who run the teams, own the teams, founded the teams that you love most, some of them will no longer be with us. So it's a secondary thing. What's the line of secession? Not just in IndyCar, but with some of the teams who have older owners maybe those who are or have been in poor or questionable health. What plans do they have to continue if they were to lose their leader, the financial linchpin for that team, the one who's bankrolled it at times when necessary, uh, who has all the big contacts with whichever sponsors, partners, you name, like, it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot, Jeff. So here we are, another deep question. And you know what? Uh, we're going to continue with our pal, Garen Porter. Says, uh, read this uh, to the tune of the Beatles song, Let It Be. When I find myself in times of trouble, Marshall Pruitt comes to me, speaking words of wisdom of all things indie. Uh, I need to drink more. That might be even better. Uh, Garen goes on to say, is there any idea who will get that number 14 Foyt seat? Uh, are they adding a third car? As always, thoughts and prayers to you and your wife. Well, thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers. Right back at you, brother. Uh, all right. Uh, Y'all should grab a beer of your own right now or whatever uh, libations you happen to prefer. Um, yeah again we could be here for a couple hours talking about this stuff but hey uh we'll go in a little bit not too crazy but so hey foyt might have had an announcement this week but they're not but who knows it could be next week who might that be um 
if it's not Santino Ferrucci, I will be surprised. If it's not Benjamin Peterson, I don't really expect him to announce Benjamin Peterson, but who knows? Um, I have it in the back of my mind that Benjamin Peterson could be announced. Why? All right. So I think since I recorded the last podcast, we had Stingray announced. We then had Benjamin playing defense uh, on social media. And I'll tell you, I was truly trying to shut things down last Friday. Um, We'd had a, was it Friday? Thursday? I forget. Um, Yeah. Busy week last week. A lot of appointments with my wife. Um, driving all over here and there on college, just this and that and the other. And, uh, things are going well, by the way. Um, trying to, as I slow down a little bit this week, I need to send out a lot of thank yous to so many of you and others, amazing folks who were, uh, just critical in helping us, uh, with, the uh, most recent GoFundMe, uh, support y'all provided, but, um, things are going well. For those who aren't aware, her cancer had returned uh, early-ish October, middle, whenever it was. Um, Back on the harsher kill the cancer chemo. Um, That's been going well. Uh, Latest screenings and imaging and all that. And then follow-up with oncologist who's amazing. Again, all this involves... a lot of driving, a lot of traffic back and forth to the city. Going to the city is amazing. The city, for those who don't know, San Francisco. Um, things are going really well. Haven't gotten it all. Still in the fight in terms of killing what has returned. But we are super confident that uh, we will indeed get it all. Uh, and somewhat soon. There's no exact timeline, but... We expect by January or February, hopefully, to have defeated this this recurrence, uh, and then hopefully, based on guidance from our oncologist, go back to what I refer to as kind of the maintenance chemo. Uh, so, anyways, some of y'all might have heard a little update along those lines here, maybe last week. Anyways, uh, just wanted to share that that uh, since the last podcast another visit with our oncologist and uh, had another appointment with another related one yesterday and then today. So, but things are going well, uh, like almost could not breathe in October and most of November, um, early December, a little bit too, but can say like, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thanks for y'all and all your thoughts and prayers and kind words. Um, But pivoting off of that, whenever that was, end of last week, a little inside baseball stuff. Been aware of what was going on. Been aware that the Stingray thing was coming. I don't think that was a total shock for some. I don't know. Um, Spoken to the team week before last. Said, hey, kind of hearing... This is the direction things might go. Was told, uh, can you circle back next week? Expect things to be kind of sort of finalized by then. Said, yep, not a problem. Had that happen last, whenever that was, Wednesday, Thursday. Um, And confirmed, got it, wrote the story, had it ready to go, sat on it. Um, went out whenever that official timing was, I think on Friday, whatever. Um, and that, you know, there, there was, a, a obvious, no mentioning of Benjamin Peterson in the stingray press release was aware that there was, you know, as you might expect, some pretty decent sensitivity here. Stingray is not being mentioned as the driver, of the number 14, That's the legendary number. That's AJ's number. There's no mention of, we're adding a third car. Woohoo! It's going to be called the number 41, which is a number they've used before. Pretty clear that 
without saying these things, but leaving them for you and us to deduce, Stingray wasn't being confirmed in the 14. There was no announcement of another car. Uh, they were going to be going back to a more familiar number, that being the 41, because they had to improvise. Uh, they initially announced Benjamin in the number 88, and then folks on the interweb said, hey, you know, the combination of 14 and 88 is kind of a Nazi white supremacist thing. And so there was the change from 88 to 55. Well, again, just put all these things together and go, there's nothing here that says Benjamin Peterson is continuing with the team. And so again, so where that's where it was headed. That's where it headed. And we then had Benjamin marking his territory right away. Brilliant, cheeky, brilliant, (laughs) Social media post welcoming Stingray to the team, etc. Looking forward to testing and right. And here we go with more spice and drama in the 2023 season. That if you like spice and drama, oh, it's not mild, it's not medium. This is the hot version. That's what the year's been. Um, so let's come back to this about who will drive the 14 because this is all interrelated. Um, I feel like I probably should have put this in a dumb little story, but whatever. Uh, You can look at the announcement, the fact that Benjamin was mentioned nowhere, the fact that Benjamin, I wouldn't say just on his own, probably on the advice of counsel or parents or both, again, I'm guessing, had a response ready to go it was a great response tactical response this was in every sense of the concept here a way of saying hi you still got a contract with us and that's the part that was left out in the stingray release and then again we try not to put too fine of a spotlight on it clearly through the communications from the team Larry Foyt, team director, team principal, IndyCar teleconference, video conference, whatever, I think Friday, Thursday, whatever day it was. Um, No mention. Was aware that, yeah, it's really not a topic they wanted to get into. One reporter doing their job as I think we were driving home from the, driving home from the city, after that one of the oncologist uh, appointments so wasn't able to join in um but nonetheless uh one of the reporters as you should if i was on it um these are the questions you should be asking hey what's up with benjamin uh is he no longer driving for the team or what and larry bless his heart didn't really want to answer didn't really say yes didn't really say no um still figuring things out but hey we're here to talk about stingray so let's focus on stingray so to get to your answer here i don't have a specific answer saying driver a will be named to the 14 car i think it's going to be santino stingray being signed to the 41 car brings a big enough budget to give the Foyt team some creative options in choosing who does drive the primary 14 car. I know they're keen on holding on to Santino, but there's the unspoken part here to close that we need to address. Because again, I wouldn't be doing my job and you know, y'all, y'all know the game. Benjamin was announced I think it was was it september october of 2022 driving for aj foyt racing i don't remember if it was in the press release or again follow-up teleconference video conference or direct info from the team uh wherever it came from it's clearly stated clearly understood that this was a three-year deal spell it out 2023 done Cross that one off the list in the books. That means 2024 and 2025 are still waiting to be used by this Danish-American child. Uh, 
great kid. Truly love Benjamin, sweetheart of a kid. Um, according to what they all said, he signed a three-year deal. He just finished the first. That means there's more time. Why would a team announce someone else in that car? Make no mention of the previous driver? Why would that previous driver then go pretty quickly to social media to position themselves as still being on the team and welcome to the team, Stingray, and so on? Because there's a tug of war going on. We don't know the details. We don't know where it's going to end up. But for the things that would probably be obvious, say, well, if a team's going to announce someone new, they must feel there's grounds for not continuing with the old driver. And if the, quote, old driver is going hard in the paint with positioning themselves as still being that driver, uh, you would have to believe they feel there's grounds to hold on to that seat. Where does this end up? Do not know. The whole thing here and the kind of touchy handling, trying to avoid IndyCar's fourth known lawsuit of the year. Fourth within the IndyCar series, I should say more accurately. So, just circling back, who's going to be announced? The thing I've mentioned to a couple folks, maybe even the team, was, you know, uh, again, no clue. It's not like I'm privy to any contracts. Not like I'm privy to knowing who is in breach, isn't in breach, who has a good case, who doesn't. But if this thing were to go the way of the courts, there is a possibility that a judge or an arbitrator or whomever might enforce that contract. And at that point, unless they were to add a third car, I'm unaware of that being a thing. Could we see the mind-boggling lineup of Benjamin Peterson and Stingray Rob as teammates next season? I'm not saying that's what's going to happen, but I've had it in the back of my head as a, whew, uh, and these two kids were pretty much fighting over dead last all of last season often sometimes wasn't their fault you know, the wheels kept falling off of stingray's car and you know i mean look it's not like they just drove terribly at all times but you know, effectively these are the two guys who are kind of circling the drain at the end of most races here they are i mean again stingray's not really fighting he's signed but it's up to the team to provide him a car. So they've agreed to do that. Whether they have to, or don't have to fit Benjamin into the mix here. That's the real question. Do they have the budget to run a third car? If they had to keep the 55 in motion and still sign Santino or someone else to the 14. I don't, I don't know because there's one real true foundational item you have to, uh, to grasp here. The thing that's been said all year long in the paddock, this is in the category of allegedly. So not stating it's a fact. I'll just repeat again. Boy, I've heard this from, I don't know how many folks. Is that the, one of the worst contracts I've ever heard of was executed with Peterson's bringing $3 million a year for three years, $9 million for three seasons. Costs between 6 and $7 million pre-hybrid to run a car for a season. So that's barely half a budget for three straight years. The other alleged aspect of that contract was no crash damage being brought or required. Meaning, like when Benjamin crashed opening lap at St. Pete, hit Devlin DeFrancesco and sent Devlin's brand new car flying into the air, destroyed ben, uh, Devlin's car. It also destroyed that number 55. 
again, allegedly that crash, the costs to recover from it and all the other crashes of which there were a decent amount, that's something the Foyt team had to swallow. If you look at whether any of this is accurate, again, all alleged, it would suggest that if any of that is accurate, there might not be a lot of money left to run Benjamin. These are all things I've mentioned before in the racer mailbag, uh, talked about in the podcast before. So don't know if any of these are true revelations, unless you're a newer listener, but a lot of stuff going on. We haven't really had other than is a hot dog, a sandwich. We haven't really had any easy ones to open the show. Normally it's kind of one blockbuster and then we cruise. There's a couple in a row. So good on y'all. I mean, we're doing this on December 19th. So whew. anyways, yeah, that's what we got in IndyCar. A nothing but hot, spicy season. Oh, gosh, that beer is good. Um, So, yeah. Who's going to be driving the 14? If the team is feeling like they might be able to announce someone this week, which would be what? If that were to have happened, if what had happened was, uh, if they were to have announced the driver of the 14 guess that would have been what five-ish days six days after stingray i mean i don't know if you could if anyone could file lawsuits and have all that adjudicated and uh outcome produced in order to force whomever to do something or not do something in that short amount of time so it leads me to think it might have been santino uh i think i'd mentioned that callum eilat was said to be on a radar not necessarily full-time or to start the season or whatever could be the case but again i haven't heard his name in terms of like hey he's ready to go and we're going to announce him or have a an exact plan for him but if it's not santino in the 14 i'll raise my hand and say i don't know who else it would be if we do end up having benjamin announced um This is going to be a fascinating year. Uh, Let's move on and see how many more we can get through before I got to tap out. Uh, Apparently, according to our pal Jerry, James Malloy asks a question that many of y'all asked. He said, MP, is it reasonable to suggest IndyCar? Work with another series, perhaps the uh, Japanese Super Formula Open Wheel Series, to develop a common engine formula. And even a chassis between them in the same way WEC and IMSA have done with LMDH, which over here we call GTP. You say it could be a great way uh, to, if not reduce costs, make the cost more justifiable as it can be used in more than one place. We get the, the super formula suggestion somewhat frequently, James. Uh, comes up a couple times per year here in the podcast for sure. Comes up in the Racer Weekly Mailbag. I don't know if not once a month, every two months or so, um, nothing's impossible, but it would strike me as it would be shocking if that were to happen for one main reason, IndyCar's cars like a hundred plus years old, an American institution, not saying Japanese super formula isn't awesome and amazing. It sprang up as kind of an offshoot of the uh, European Formula 3000 category and such, but we're talking about the domestic formula of a small island nation that really has no interrelation with our domestic open wheel championship so these are the things that we see these are not the things a penske entertainment or even pre penske entertainment uh holman george would say hey we should maybe align with a really small and to us at least super obscure series whose races we never see on tv and has no profile in anything that we do other than one or two drivers have come over that have been in it. Alex Pillow is obviously the shining example, but uh, just know 
that super formula, like I'm trying to think what the Italian F4 series, uh, these things have the same profile to those who own and run IndyCar as the most obscure series in the world. So from the outside, we might say, but hey, Honda's in it, and Toyota's in it, and Dallara's in it, and, you know, hey, there's so many ways this makes sense. It does to us, just not the folks who own IndyCar. Um, the looking to another series for a common engine, again, the where would you do that that makes sense for things that are small and powerful enough to fit in an IndyCar? That's just where we strike out a bit. You might look at the WRC and go, yeah, those are smaller four-cylinder turbo engines, but again, the power number is way down from what they once were. Uh, I know that they've gone hybrid-ish, hybrid, but that's the thing, James. If IndyCar wanted to make a true engine formula change, I don't know if doing something that aligns itself with another series there's no series i can think of where you go oh well that's just going to be a massive pipeline that really benefits indycar in all kinds of ways we can't imagine honda which is in super formula they're already here going to a motor they already make again not outside the realm of possibilities but would Chevrolet want to build a brand new engine to a completely different formula because there's linkage to what Honda does? The new motor development would be massive, massive financially for Chevy. So that's probably going to be a no. If we went to that formula, we could get Toyota. Again, true, possibly, but... You know, Toyota's had options to join all along. Roger Penske told me in his own words, in a direct conversation, offered Toyota all kinds of stuff from Ilmore to expedite them getting into the series. And they said no. Not now, at least. They got a new CEO, didn't see the fit the same way the old CEO did, and so, okay. Still a no, but this is just where IndyCar is a thing we need to acknowledge, James, at least in its current construct, where it is a truly unique, it's a unicorn, just like Formula One is a unicorn. Nowhere else in the world do you find those 1.6-liter turbocharged hybrid v6 motors we obviously know that they cost a trillion billion zillion dollars a piece dollars way exceed anything that indycar could afford but there's no other place those things are used open wheel tends to be like that in ways where your example of WEC and imsa with this common lmdh slash gtp formula it's a perfect recognition it's just these are big wide heavier prototypes where it's super easy by comparison to have engine variety bodywork variety with open wheel the things that make them perform like they do it's because the weight is by comparison low the vehicles are narrow the engines are narrow and low and light aerodynamics drive so much of the car's performance you can't really have a wide engine especially at the bottom because it takes up valuable space in the underwing which reduces downforce if it's a wide motor in general uh at least if we think about the current chassis you'd have to come up with this bizarre engine cover where coming at you you'd have the 
heads kind of sticking out <laughs> hugely in with reprofiled engine cover who knows maybe you just cut holes in the engine cover and you have the v of that just kind of sticking way the heck out in the airstream uh there's just so many things james where the formula of an indy car high level open wheel tends to lead you to very custom very bespoke everything Really, it's all built around the internal combustion engine. And so that's why if there were to be a formula change, I can't think of one from another series that would be a magic fit and do think it might just be a better scenario where IndyCar chose to change their formula to something different, whether, again, it's a spec motor spec ish or lower tech lower cost but something that fits indycar uh, i think is the thing that they need to adhere to since i cannot think of any other open wheel series and especially any sports car series or rally off-road boat or whatever series that has something that would truly fit the open wheel formula but then also be something that manufacturers wanted to be involved with so love the question just still can't find the way for it to work and hey i decided to cut this episode in two because it ran to a little bit more than two hours in length and that's crazy so we have another hour and a part two waiting for you with a genuinely great question to open it about IndyCar manufacturers and marketing dollar commitments. So that'll be coming up here shortly in part two. But since this is where I just feel the need to stop part one, let me say a big thanks again to all y'all and the questions you sent in to our guy, Sh- J- Sherry. Sure. Jerry Suddeth. I'm recording this a day after my beer, but I'm still slurring words. Uh, Cooper Tires, obviously. Discount Tire as well. The Justice Brothers and TorontoMotorsports.com. 